0: restaurants unstoppable episode 438 we didn't take on any debt we never had any debt and so you know that was you know kind of healthy paranoia if you will i think too many restaurant companies uh grow too fast they take on too much debt and you know what what we refer to as unit level economics they have to work on their own if they don't why are you building more of them and so I think that's the, the challenge, to stay disciplined, uh, and we were very disciplined. Are you ready for it? it factors, success stories,
1: failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge?
2: Then, join Eric Cacciatore and in today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become Unstoppable.
1: of guests research a restaurant online before dining out. Your website is your first impression. So answer me this question, honestly. What does your website say about your restaurant? Also, websites are no longer static brochures. They're dynamic tools that can help you drive revenue. Head over to GetBento.com and see why thousands of restaurants trust Bento Box with their websites. And if you mention Restaurant Unstoppable, you can save up to $1,500 on initial setup. Get on it. Payroll and benefits are hard, especially when you're a small business. Gusto is making payroll benefits and HR easy for modern small businesses. You no longer have to be a big company to get great technology, great benefits, and great service to take care of your team. To help support Restaurant Unstoppable, Gusto is offering our listeners an exclusive limited-time deal. Sign up today, and you'll get three months free once you run your first payroll just go to gusto.com slash unstoppable and with excitement allow me to introduce to you today's guest chris duty chris my man are you feeling unstoppable today
0: absolutely
1: yes that is what we like to hear we also are joined with what's your title and we can uh, we can talk into this mic or that mic or,
0: matt Eisenacher. <laughs> matt
1: Eisenacher. what's your title matt
2: uh yeah. You can you can it changes by the day. Don't be
1: afraid to yank on that
2: thing. Yeah, it's it's
1: it. locked in there. You can pull it closer. Yeah, too. it
2: changes by the day. So uh today, Chris says, "Chief Concept Officer." We'll see what it is tomorrow. Awesome. So happy to be here. So this
1: is going to be a good one. I can't wait to get started. Let me just give a quick introduction. Growing up in his mother's restaurant and being mentored by one of the best names in the industry, the Brennan family, Chris Duty spent most of his early years being groomed for greatness and hospitality. In two or sorry, in 1992 or is it, yeah, 92, with a degree in business, Duty alongside brother, Rick, opened Bravo Brio with remarkable success. In 2008, Duty sold his share of the Bravo Brio restaurants, and in 2010, the first Piata Italian street food uh, fast casual concept was opened. Eight years later, the brand has grown to 42 locations. I can't wait to dive into your story and to find out who you are and how you got to where you are today, and this is a curveball. I didn't tell you about this, but we started off every episode with a success quote or a mantra what do you got for us
0: the guest is always right oh
1: nice beautiful and what does that mean to you dive into that real quick
0: well i have a saying it's got to bother you when people come to your restaurant and they don't have a great experience and so um we believe that um you got to make everybody happy and they shouldn't leave with, without having a great experience. And so that's our mantra. And I dig people it. need to be, uh, from the very beginning at Lindy's, uh, we treat people like they're coming into your home. And, uh, if we do that well, then they'll come back.
1: Awesome. And like I mentioned, we have uh, Matt Eisenacre. Did I say it correctly? It <laughs> Eisenacre. Is this faster? Is that better? Eisenacher. Eisenacher. Thank you. I apologize. Uh, and I'm sure you'll be coming into the conversation as we get to the point where you started uh, joining the team and as you contributed. If you want to chime in at any point, too, just let me know. Sure. All right. So let's go back to uh, kind of where it started for for you. The first experience you had in this industry, I don't make assumptions, was it with your mother's restaurant?
0: For the most part. Yeah. Lindy's was opened in 1981 and, um, we, uh, we remodeled that restaurant and we, we did it as a family. And so we did all the construction, uh, ourselves for the most part by hiring contractors. And, uh, so it was, uh, the blind leading the blind. We really didn't know what we were doing back then. There weren't a lot of restaurants in Columbus. The most successful restaurants in Columbus were TGI Fridays. Okay. Uh, And uh, there really weren't independent restaurants in Mm -hmm. 1981. So Lindy's was a very pioneering uh, restaurant for Columbus at the time. Okay. So Matt was telling me about a story
1: that I had to make sure I got uh, about the first year of Lindy's and uh, where you were after the first year and and what you did to to make some changes.
0: Yeah. Lindy's lost $150,000 its first year. So uh, what we did was expanded it. So that that's really uh you know not what you would typically do. Yes. Uh but the restaurant uh you know was too small really to um to be successful uh to successfully do the volume we needed it to do. Um and so we uh we expanded the back room and um but you know it was many many years we were fortunate because there wasn't a lot of competition back then. Mm -hmm. And so it was the design of the restaurant is an Upper East Side, New York bistro, that type of restaurant with white tablecloths and butcher paper. It was casual yet sophisticated. It didn't exist. Okay. Um, and it just took off and it continued to build throughout the years. And now it's, Thirty-seven years old.
1: So the first year was it busy? You just couldn't necessarily turn the revenue you needed to. Yeah, I
0: mean the first year was was not as busy as it needed to be. But I think it was controlling costs and knowing what you were doing. Mm. You know, we we didn't really have any experience. And you had and the internet
1: back then, either. You couldn't. No Google internet. It. No. Yeah. Thank God. Right. Uh, <laughs> we would have
0: we would have gotten probably a lot of bad reviews. Uh, and and I think we just kept plugging away. We knew we knew that the brand was right for the market. We knew that it was p- properly positioned. And, um, we kept refining it, hiring better people, uh, hiring a better chef. Eventually two or three years in, um, you know, we hired someone with more talent to mm-hmm. run the kitchen, uh, and, uh, and gained a, a, a very strong following. But, nice. you know, my mom ran the front room. uh I spent a lot of time in the kitchen. Uh, so it was, um, you know, it was a it was a family affair. Rick Rick really started the restaurant with my mom while I was in mm. business school at uh, Tulane.
1: So I like to do this thing where we just draw nuggets. I, I like to call them nuggets or bombs of knowledge from uh, parts of your life. So reflecting back on, on, and you're still learning from your mother to this day. Uh, but reflecting back in that time, what were the big lessons you learned about hospitality and uh, the restaurant industry from that that time in your life?
0: Well, I think going to New Orleans was key um, for me, uh, gaining. Gaining a culinary background in New Orleans while I was going to business school, uh, really was the key factor in my ability to start brands, manage the chef and create concepts. Okay. Um, having spent five years cooking, learning how to, um, cook in New Orleans and then come back, um, and, and just understanding the aspects of running a kitchen, um, enabled me to, uh, manage the chefs as we got bigger and the companies got bigger. We had a lot of stores, um, you know, knowing how to cook, uh, keeps, uh, keeps them from getting off track. Mm-hmm. And so that was, that was key to my success. Okay. Uh, New Orleans was, uh, and still is, is really one of the four or five major food cities in mm-hmm. the country. And, um, trend setting city uh, and, like, and it, huge it was just French great. influence. Yeah. You know, yeah. And the Brennan's really mm-hmm. the, the, I work for the Mr. B's and they really, um, you know, they're the leaders have been the leaders in new Orleans mm-hmm. uh, uh, over the years. And, and uh, to have the experience of working there yeah. was, was and, invaluable. And I
1: had Alex uh, Brennan Martin or Martin Brennan on the show. I know he hyphenates it, but I'm not sure which one comes first. Uh, and, he was amazing. He was a great interview. Uh, so how did you get that position with the Brennan Restaurants? So and was that an internship or did did you?
0: No, I, um, uh, well, my I started out at Ohio Wesleyan University and uh, transferred after two years. My fraternity got in a little bit of trouble. Uh, I had nothing to do with it, of course, uh, and really ended up in New Orleans to get serious about Business and and working in the hospitality business. I walked into Mr. B's cold, filled out an application, um, and then when they gave me the application, they gave me a test. And it was a a food test uh, asking me how to make certain sauces and, um, you know, testing my food knowledge. Well, I took this test and um, I didn't have any of the answers. I really, I'd never worked in the kitchen, so I knew nothing about. Uh, what they uh, were asking me about. And so um, it was it was kind of embarrassing. And so then the chef came out, Gerard Maris, great guy. Um, Gerard's awesome. Learned a lot. He went back. He took my test. He said, And he, I look back, and it's an open kitchen. Mm-hmm. And I see in the kitchen, and there's all the cooks and the shoe chefs around Gerard, and they're laughing hysterically. That's the test? And they're reading my test. Oh, man. And my test you know, cause I didn't know what the mother sauces were. I didn't know any of that stuff. He comes back out and he thought I was from the local cooking school. Yeah. And I said, no, no, no. I got a business school at Tulane. I'm trying to learn the restaurant business. I want to learn to cook. And he said, you're hired. And, uh, Ooh. I ended up, um, you know, I was applying for a part-time job. I ended up working 50 to 60 hours a week. This is 1983 through 85. And, um, I I attribute a lot of my knowledge to to Gerard and his team because I learned how to uh, work in a high volume restaurant, but he taught me sauces. He taught me how to, you know, debone, you know, chicken, duck, fish. Um, You know, I got a culinary degree while I was going to business school.
1: That's awesome. And what do you think it was like? What was it about you in this moment where he's where you had no experience? Uh, What was it? that you think he saw in you that gave you an opportunity?
0: I think he thought I would be reliable. I'd show up, you know, the restaurant industry, um, notoriously, although it's become more of a profession Mm -hmm. for people over the last 25, 30 years, uh, back then. Um, I think that, um, you know, having, um, taking a chance. I mean, he has a high volume restaurant probably had a, I don't know how much turnover he had, but, um, seeing um you know he took he took a shot i yeah. don't know that he i don't know that he knew he probably um you know figured he did not have much to lose yeah um and i mean so, that's
1: probably the same thing that you're feeling like what do i have to lose but he was probably looking at you young passionate dude who wants to learn this industry who has the drive to get a business degree like maybe this will be mutually beneficial right yeah
0: i mean you have to have the drive and yeah. i don't care what business you're in i mean i've been very driven and still am and um you know, I had this uh I got a shot, and mm-hmm. I think that's what i like I like what I'm doing now because I like giving people a shot. Mm. I like giving people a shot to take on more responsibility, and um, I was given that opportunity. so being an entrepreneur that's that's probably the coolest thing that I do on a daily basis is seeing seeing those people that 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 aspire to do more willing to work really hard and uh, and and then you know kind of getting that other way.
1: Oh man, I love it. So I didn't ask you this question. I usually ask this question when I first start the interview, but I'm trying to make the most of our time because we're, we only got 45 minutes. If you guys listen to the show, you know that if I ever do a 45 minute episode, it's doing something. Uh, so so I want to make sure we get the most out of this conversation, but real quick, why, why this industry, uh, what was it about this industry? What made you fall in love in the first place? When did you know that you're going to commit your life to it?
0: Well, I think, uh, when you, I come from a family of entrepreneurs, um, and so um, really, when I was in school, I really didn't want to go work for a big company. Um, my father was very entrepreneurial, started many different businesses throughout his uh, career, and um, so I think the entrepreneurial spirit uh, was was in all of all of us. And so I don't know that it was necessarily the hospitality business at first. Uh, but I knew when I graduated from Tulane that, you know, I didn't want to go work for Xerox or I didn't want to go into sales. Um, I really wanted to 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 go into the to a business and um, uh, and that that's uh, so I when I graduated in '85, came back and worked for my work with my mom for a couple years and uh, and then we went on to start the Hyde Park Grill restaurants uh, in Columbus. I was part of that team uh, before we, we started Bravo in 1992. But so. was
1: there a point where you said to yourself, like, this is my career when you knew where it kind of all came together and you committed yourself to it?
0: I, I think after uh, being, you know, after a couple of years, um, of, of having a taste of the hospitality business and, and working in it. Um, and, and, you know, the, the idea of running your own, your mm. own business and running your own show that, yeah. that, uh, you know, I think I think the business side of the hospitality uh, business is is as interesting to me as the culinary side, uh, and and so um, they're both uh, you know guided me throughout my career. But I think uh, you know certainly when you've had some success uh, positioning brands that that can grow, um, that's what I like to do. I'm not interested in necessarily doing one-offs or, or restaurants that I'm just going to do one single mm-hmm. unit of. Um, I like to create brands that uh, can, can grow. Cool. So before we move on to uh,
1: the story of going into business with your brother, I want to kind of extract some nuggets from this experience you had with a Brennan family. So what did you learn, if you could like narrow it down to like two or three lessons, uh, big takeaways from the Brennan family of, of, of restaurants?
0: Well, I think... Uh, I learned to cook. That was, you know, the, the quality of, of the food that they put out was, was phenomenal. Um, big flavors, um, you know, they uh, had a huge local following and, uh, and a national following being in New Orleans. Um, so, you know, I mean, I think you learn, um, you learn how to manage people. You learn how to treat people. Um, you learn the importance of loyalty. Uh, they had a tremendous amount of uh, of loyalty uh, from the, from the people that work for them. Um, they genuinely care about the guest experience, and that is what we've carried forward uh, at Lindy's and in, in all the concepts I've c- created. So um, there's so much that I've learned down there, but it's uh, I think um, I think the 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 food uh, the importance of execution. Um, you know, they, they did a lot of volume at that time and now they even do more, but, um, it's really, I learned, um, how do you do really high quality food in a, in a high volume restaurant?
1: So let's pull back some layers here. Two things that you really, that you said that really, I want to go deeper into is how they treated people and that they had a loyalty. So, uh, how did they treat people? Get specific on that.
0: Well, I think it was fun to work there, yeah. um, and you know when you're part of a successful business it's contagious uh, so the The loyalty uh, came from from the owners and and their um, you know being on the floor, being in the restaurant, being present, um, you know all of you know knowing people by name um, you know this this is a restaurant as is Lindy's where people want to be recognized and they want to be recognized by name. Uh, but I think that carries again, that carries through through Bravo, Brio and Piata. People want to be recognized. They want to be appreciated. Uh, and so I, I think the, the, the key to this business is, um, is having people that have the passion for, uh, being you know providing service from providing hospitality and that that's uh i i learned that in new orleans but it, but that was something that i think we've had in our family for for a long time and mm. so um it was natural for us to go into the hospitality business Yes. Yeah, it was only reinforced in new
1: orleans uh so let's grab a couple of nuggets from your experience opening uh going to business with your brother and that was uh uh, Bravo, Brio. Uh, what were some of the big lessons? I want to spend the majority of our conversation uh, on what you got going on today and how you scaled this current business. Sure. So uh, what were some of the big lessons you learned from that experience going to business with your brother that you uh, kind of applied to going into business a second time?
0: Well, um, you know, I was fortunate um, that um, I had a uh, that I have a brother that uh is also passionate about the business. The challenge in family but the challenge with family businesses are 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 well documented. Um Rick and I um you know Rick at that time was very focused on uh the real estate and design of our business and I was more focused on the culinary and the operating side. So on paper we uh complemented each other very well and we were able to build 60 restaurants over a 15 year period. Uh, but the, you know, but that's also a challenge, right? Um, I think when you, um, when you build a successful brand, um, in a family business, um, that then does pose challenges later on. And, uh, but, um, can you give us some of those challenges? Can you get specific? Um, well, I think, you know, uh, having certainly early on having lanes, having, Having specific job descriptions of of what you know each other is doing, so that you don't um, you know disagree too often. We were able to successfully navigate that for many years. Um, I think the key to our success was uh, Bravo and Brio were well positioned at the time uh, to compete with the Olive Gardens and the Macaroni Grills. Mm-hmm. What we tried to do was create a cooler atmosphere, a little more of an independent restaurant, not one that felt like a chain. And so Rick did a phenomenal job with the design. And I think I think from a culinary standpoint, we wanted to elevate the food. Uh, so uh, our keys were, you know, certainly hiring the best people we could at the time. We had tremendous loyalty of, of our core group. Uh, we were very, very focused on the business side as well, though, um, we were, too, we were very paranoid about um, you know, not being successful. So one of the keys to our success was taking over defunct restaurants. And so we were very good at taking over restaurants that had closed and repositioning them, redesigning them, um, rebranding them, if you will, and turning them into a Bravo or a Brio. And that enabled us to do this without taking on any debt.
1: So what's the key uh, to taking over uh, a failing restaurant
0: and to putting your brand on it? Uh, What's one or two nuggets you can give us there? The the key is pick good locations, uh, change the brand, change the concept so that people don't feel they don't remember what was there previously. That's Mm -hmm. the, the key. And so we did major renovations to restaurants so that there was no correlation to what didn't work. That was number one. Um, so we put our design scheme in, our menu, our people and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that uh, we were able to very successfully do that uh, less expensively than if we were to try to build, say, a new restaurant from yeah. the ground up. Yep. Um, and so we were very frugal. Our philosophy was uh, each one of these restaurants needed to be st- a standalone success. So before we could build another one, with the other ones had to work. They had to pay for the next one. Mm-hmm. And we were pretty disciplined about. That's a uh, huge
1: lesson right there, is the power of cash and being cash heavy. And, and the growth of your cash is what determines right. the growth we of your We didn't take on any
0: debt. We Beautiful. never had any debt. And so, um, you know, that was, you know, kind of healthy paranoia, if you will. That's and awesome. um, I think too many restaurant companies uh, grow too fast. They take on too much debt or too much equity in that, uh, regard. And, um, and you know, what, what we refer to as unit level economics, they have to work on their own. Mm. If they don't, why are you building more of them? And, um, and so I think that's the the challenge to stay disciplined. Uh, and we were very disciplined, um, uh, in, in building that chain, um, for many, for many years. Awesome. So you mentioned earlier staying
1: in lanes and I know this is a family business and I don't want to get too personal, but, uh, was there, would you say, was there an issue with going back, looking back hindsight being 2020, were there, was there crisscrossing between people getting in and out of their lanes?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, and that does pose challenges, but, um, we, you know, we were able to navigate that in 2006, uh, you know, Rick wanted to stay and, and, and run the business and still there and as chairman of the board. And, um, uh, and it was, it was just time for one leader. And, mm-hmm. and, um, so I, you know, that's true in any business. Yeah. I think it's maybe a little more difficult in a family business. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we were able to, um, you know, partner with, in that case, we sold to two private equity firms. Um, and, and I was able to kind of pursue, uh, a different path. And so, um, I think that it, you know, you know, timing was important, um, but um, you know, clearly understanding what a company's goals, what the company's goals are, what's our mission, mm-hmm. you know, what is the end game. I mm-hmm. think, I think you need an exit strategy. I think all businesses need an exit strategy. Uh, there's um, a great book
1: on that by Bo Burlingham called Finish Big, uh, which I just started to read and I never finished. I really want to finish that book. Uh, he's also the author of Small Giants, which is a great book. Huh. Uh, anyway, sorry to no, that's derail great derail you. So, um, so you, did you not, I'm trying to figure out how to best process question. So did you not have an exit strategy going into that situation with your brother? No, no, okay. we
0: didn't. I think that, um, you know, you're trying to survive. You're mm. trying to grow a business. Um, you're you're trying to build a team mm-hmm. of people um you know you're hoping each restaurant works uh you're, you know you're just you're really just trying to build a great brand yeah. i don't think that um you know i think that's your number one objective is to to build great restaurants make them make them profitable make sure that you're you're taking care of your people and your guests the exit strategy will take care of itself then yeah i think it's a little uh, uh so so really that's you don't really think about, um, you know, you don't think about that your first time around. Um, I think, but even even now, I, I still think that you your number one focus has to be on people and your guests, yep. and if, and and not and not growing so fast that you've you've, uh, you know, if you're opening restaurants and they're and they're not profitable, then you obviously need to uh, figure out why. Okay, awesome. Yeah. So. Why, uh,
1: why fast casual? Two thousand eight, you get out of partnership with your brother, the family business, and you uh, travel Italy, and you're learning. And what did you have was was going to Italy a mission to get an idea, or absolutely. were you just going to like? Okay. Yeah,
0: absolutely. I mean, people love Italian food. Um, we you know we we certainly, if you look at the restaurant landscape, you know the some of the largest restaurant companies are 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 serving italian food but nobody was really doing it in fast casual so we toyed with the idea at bravo and brio about but this was really you know fast casual wasn't even a term yeah. um in in 2006 2008 uh it was really um but, but so I looked at the landscape. I spent a lot of time looking at, you know, why is Panera so successful? Why is Chipotle so successful? They were really the two leaders and still mm-hmm. are. Uh, and and said so nobody's really doing that in an Italian with an Italian twist. Um, and so can
1: I tap the brakes? Uh, yeah. Real
0: quick? So in your opinion, reflecting back at uh, why
1: you thought Chipotle and uh, Panera were so successful. Why do you think they were so successful?
0: Well, they're they're. First of all, they were they they serve a great product. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're fast. They're value value oriented. Um, they really created a niche. You know, if you didn't have a lot of time to eat mm-hmm. and go sit down, um, you know, Panera and Chipotle were kind of the pioneers, if you will, um, for this fast casual movement. And so, uh, you know, people love Italian food. They love pasta the piada itself, uh, which is the thin crust dough and it's made with olive oil and it's cooked on the stone. And, um, it was our twist to the burrito. Um, frankly, wasn't very popular in, in Italy. It's Mm -hmm. really peasant food there. Uh, but what we did was kind of bring it back here, modernize it, kind of make it, make it something that people would understand here in the States. Um, and, um, really filled a void. There really wasn't, you know, there really wasn't an Italian, um, concept that, uh, but that, that appealed to a broad audience. That was really important to me that we did, you know, something that had really great salads, um, a great, a great sandwich and, and really good pasta, um, and in a fast casual, uh, setting. And so, um, we did a lot of research. Uh we spent a lot of time developing the brand before the first store opened mm-hmm. and um and and again having the right people, having the right chef that that knew how to execute recipes um was was critical but you know store number one was a big hit and we were able to you know go from there
1: so you opened the first restaurant in 2010 Uh, i really want to spend the rest of the time talking to you about how uh you scaled this how you surrounded yourself with people and grew your your team and then uh grew the culture so 2010 uh you opened piada uh what was that first opening like
0: well it was uh you know successful beyond you know our expectations for sure um the uh, the restaurant did two point seven million its first year, um, you know on you know twenty seven hundred square feet. So it was it was a huge success. Uh, but the you know I, I think that we we executed very well. Uh, we didn't spend too much money building, it, so for all these years of what I've learned, mm-hmm. um, we actually focus group the concept for six months here in this office.
1: I'm happy you're bringing that up. So yeah. uh, let's talk about those focus groups. Uh, first of all, what what were your intentions going into this focus group and go, going into opening of
0: this restaurant?
1: Uh, I mean, what did, you, what did you do intentionally at this time?
0: <laughs> well, having built, uh, having been part of building Bravo and Brio, um, you know, and, and you know, we, were, we were pretty successful uh, here in Columbus and, and throughout the country, there was two concerns I had. One, uh, creating another brand in Columbus and having it flop, not be very good. Um, either it wasn't thought out well with the food or the design so I spent a lot of time here uh, developing the brand the logo, the the team uh, the, the packaging the food and the design so that when we opened store number one um, we looked like we knew what we were doing so uh, really two reasons, one, I didn't want to get laughed out of Columbus if it, if it sucked <laughs> yeah. uh, and it was a bomb uh, so I wanted to open like uh, strong what that enabled us to do because of that legwork that we put up front. Um, so we, 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 had money invested in this business before we opened the first store. Uh, we were able to open stores two through 10 relatively quickly. Okay. Cause uh, you
1: had that formula. You put all you, that time early on creating that it.
0: formula. Right. So I That's created the formula. Um, now the formula has changed over the t- years, but um, because of the work that went in at the beginning, um, was critical to why we were able to to continue to build more stores. What are the
1: most critical components of putting together that formula? What did that look like, the most critical components?
0: Well, the first one is um, being disciplined about how much it costs to build one. Yeah. Um, so not overspending, um, number one. Number two, obviously having the team that can execute growing uh, from one to three to five. It's a much different, it's much more difficult to open stores three through five than it is store number one. Mm. Number one, it's, you know, scaling a business, it's exponentially more difficult. Uh, but, but being laser focused on high uh, the food, um, uh, those are the, those are the things that we, we, we did that, um, I think, you know, enabled us to grow so quickly. So you put a lot of emphasis
1: on growing your team before you ever grew the restaurant. Uh, something I picked up from doing some research. So what did that process look like of growing your team?
0: Well, I had a half a million dollars invested in the business before the first store opened. (laughs) So to give you an idea. So, um, most people wouldn't do that. I don't think. Um, but the, but the intention was not to just do one. And, um, but you, you know, I think the the team has changed. Um, so to take a company from one to ten requires, uh, you know, a, a certain skill set. But to get from ten to fifty or fifty to a hundred requires a different team. And so, um, people like Matt, um, mm. Matt Eisenacher, Work. Chef Chef Matt Harding, yeah. you know, and others, you you needed you need a team of people that have experience scaling businesses at different. Um, junctures uh, uh, of of their growth, of uh, stages of their growth. Awesome. Um, so
1: I kind of want to zone in or close into this idea of going from one location and going from two to five. So what do you think the, the, the biggest challenges are, why it's harder from going from one to two than it is from going from two to five?
0: Well, you need systems.
1: And I feel like, Matt, yeah. anytime you want to yeah.
0: chime in, man, anytime you want to chime yeah. in. I came yeah. in number 16. So. <laughs> so, well, I'll let Matt answer it, but, but certainly you need um you, you you need to then have accounting systems. You need to have training systems. You need to have a, a stronger distribution um, network. So it, it, things become exponentially more difficult.
1: What sounds really interesting is you had –
0: though. it sounds like you put a lot of time in the first location
1: to building those systems. So what were the additional systems that you were considering when going from 2 to 5? And I don't know, any time you want to share those?
0: I, I don't think anything – uh, then I think I think maybe looking back, um, the environment's changed, and where Matt has has totally changed the way restaurants are 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 marketed, if you will, or branded, is through uh, is through social media. And I'm not a social media guy. Yeah, I've never been on social media. I will never <laughs> be on social media probably because I don't know how it works. So Matt can tell you how we how we've taken this brand and keep it relevant because back in the day you know when we did marketing for for restaurants it was through billboards and print and radio today the the game has changed it's all through social media
1: yeah so we got matt yeah just uh, yeah here you go yeah yeah i think uh
2: you know one of the things that you learn early on especially now as a young company is you have to let control your yeah. Let, let go of the, the control of your brand.
1: Side note, thank you for being so patient. Yeah. <laughs> Getting you on yeah, he's the got mic, a long story yeah. to tell. He's yeah, got a lot of good I, stuff. Uh, to, I appreciate your patience and yeah. I can't wait to get some of your knowledge. So continue.
2: Yeah. So, so you, you learn very quickly that you have to let control of your, let go of control of your brand. And so, so how so do you do that?
1: How do you let go of control?
2: Well, of control? it's a little bit why I think Chris was saying that the first restaurant's different than two through five is because I think with number one, he'll tell you he didn't quite know what he had, right? <laughs> and so you have to let it breathe. I mean, you have to let it breathe. He didn't and, do anywhere. We didn't. We didn't do marketing.
0: You know yeah. the, the best marketing in an up-and-coming brand is to make sure that every guest has a great experience. And so what we call it is internal marketing. Four walls marketing. Yeah. yeah. We call it, you know you, you know buy people uh, their lunch, give them a free drink, give them a free sample. The best way to get people to talk about your brand and get them to come back is to make sure they have a great experience. Uh, and and the challenge now is. Is wowing the guest, and if you and but 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 you know that's even not enough. Now that you're you know we're this big,
2: you know there's one one good story to illustrate that, and I, I think it shows letting go of control. Uh, you know, I we, early on we didn't have many followers, and was watching on Twitter, and there was some kid in high school who was just going crazy about Pied, and He said something about I wish Piata delivered, and so here I just chimed in, I was just listening, yeah, I was just listening. <laughs> I yeah. I said, well, well, where are you at? And he said, oh, I'm I'm in school, and and found out he's at a high school. And uh, I said, okay, well, hang tight. And we had some people show up at his school and walk into the lunchroom, which created all of this buzz, right? Spun back out back into Twitter. Oh, man. Which then basically, I, I don't remember details, but I think I said something to him like, you know, if you got some crazy amount of, of retweets, you know, we'll, we'll open our a restaurant for free to everyone in your school. Oh, well, wow. God love them. I mean, you you know, of course they did it. It's a <laughs> high school. And, and we had this, you know, the lines wrapped around the business. And that, that little location that hadn't really caught on to that community yet, just... Just went on fire. And this was at a
1: location. Like this Here is when you Columbus. first came on. Uh, when you're at uh, 16 that was locations. that was Hilliard.
2: That was Hilliard. It's one of our newer restaurants at that time in Columbus. Hadn't really caught on mm-hmm. yet into that community. Well, it did. It did out So it just goes to show you that you can have your own agenda for what you want your brand to be. Yeah. But you gotta let you gotta let the community kind of give you those cues and those yeah. opportunities. And pay attention. So, right. Keep your
1: ears open. Yeah. Uh, so do you offer delivery services now? Uh,
2: we we use uh, Uber Eats. Okay. Uh, you know, especially when you're small and you are know, getting your resources together and, and focusing on your internal four walls, you know, delivery is not one of those things we're ready to tackle. Mm-hmm.
1: One thing uh, that I mentioned when we were having the pre-interview chat and something I've, I've noticed uh, about your group is, well, obviously you scaled really quickly, uh, but we all know that what makes us us in this industry is our our people, right? And uh, you even put emphasis on uh, treating people well and creating that loyalty. So how do you maintain <laughs> that impact of relationship uh that transformative relationship while scaling so fast i mean how do you carry that essence that mojo Uh, to all those brands those locations or a similar brand
0: but well i think same brand i don't know that we've done it all that well um i think we're continuing to um you know to look at ways how do you get people to buy into what you're doing we obviously share our uh, the stock option plan. And so create programs where people actually feel like owners. Mm. So all the way from our partners to our, to our multi-unit people, um, you know, they have to have a piece of the action and yeah. skin in the game. And so that's been important. That's something I've done in my past life. And so when people feel empowered, uh, and they actually feel like they have a, uh, some upside in it. Yeah. Um, you know, to me, that's, that's, that's the way to get people to carry out your culture and, and, um, you know, our mission and, and, you know, Matt, Matt's vital, been vital to that. So, you
2: know, the, the, uh, the other thing I would say is don't let, uh, don't let the growth take control of you too much. I think, you know, when you're looking to add a lot of restaurants, your first inclination is to go out and, and bring in a bunch of people from the outside, which, which is important. Don't get me wrong. The experience is very important. I'm, I came, you know, at, at restaurant 16, but it's also finding those people within the organization that have room to grow yes. and learn and, and build around them and give them the resources they need. And you, you need that balance because yeah. if, you, if you try and reach if, you know, experience for the sake of experience, those people bring with them you know, where they had been. And, and, and you also want people to grow and let Piata breathe as yeah. well, going back to that same point.
1: And I'm going to make a statement. You guys can disagree or agree. I feel like uh, the industry across the boards, uh, there's too many jobs And not enough careers. And uh, I feel like one thing you can do when you grow slowly and you provide opportunity from within, no longer providing jobs. You're providing careers to people. Uh, Do you agree or disagree with that statement?
0: Totally agree. I think you I have a say. I interview a lot of people that come work here. And, um, you know, one of the things I say to to everyone at all levels is, you know, um, you create your own success. Yeah you know, you really do, you create your own opportunities. And, um, I I think if you work really hard and you're really smart and you, and you, and you, you know, you listen and you, and you focus on, you know, the right things, um, I, again, I think you create your own success. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I've seen it in my career, uh, numerous times where people I've hired, um, at, you know, one level in the organization, the ones that it's amazing to watch people, uh, you know, you never know who's going to end up running the company or, mm. or heading up a division. And, um, uh, so we, we try to create an environment where people are empowered to, uh, you know, to, to win and, 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 you know, move their career, you know, to as fast as they want to move it. So awesome. Uh,
1: we gotta start thinking about wrapping up, or at least moving on. If we go five minutes over, are yeah, you gonna you're be good. okay? You're okay, good. cool. Good. Um, so you keep going. I want um, one nugget. I haven't. Nugget. I, haven't heard, I haven't. I'm good to go.
0: <laughs> I so want one going.
1: nugget from each of you guys, uh, before we move to the speed round, and we'll make it a tradition or a, a, a speed real speed round. round. Uh, we'll we'll wrap it up fast. But one nugget, something that we haven't discussed up to this point that you think we is worth discussing. Uh, before we go to the speed round. Silence.
2: <laughs> you know, I, I know it's not going to be a flashy answer, but um, you know, you read. You know, I went to business school, and you read all of those case studies about uh, about culture. And and I can tell you that when you try and add and then you grow it at, at, at a crazy rate, what's really important, what'll be the glue to keep your organization together, is is your culture. And if you don't have that solidified before you grow, it's tough to change the tires while. Well. While you're driving down the road, yeah, and so you know, early on, and Chris talked about this doing his research before we even opened the doors to a piata, you know, make sure you have a firm understanding of what you stand for before you start adding those units as well. And it might seem like the cart before the horse, because before you grow, you'll feel like you can, you know, it's just in the yeah. air. Right, but you know, for for us, you know, and, and the lesson this came from is we, we went all the way to Texas and we went all the way in Minnesota. Yeah, and and you know, it's really beneficial. It's really beneficial when you put it on paper. It doesn't exist until it's on paper, because when you reach and you bring in new people, you want them to start from day one, understanding what the company's about and the culture. So, what are you about? Well, you know, our our core values are first and foremost about genuine hospitality. You know, and and that starts from exactly that Lindy's experience and what Chris has brought to the business. Um, discipline and focus, which you've heard a lot about the business side, um, which we preach constantly. You have to run your restaurants, and each one has to has to hold itself up. Um, you know, patch, passionate chefs. You know, Chris has already talked about the passion that under, underlies uh, the company. You um, has to bother you when something goes wrong, and then of course, thoughtfully prepared food. Uh, it's it's all about all the the million details that go into each entree and for each guest. So those are our four core values beautiful thank you for sharing
1: those and chris i didn't forget about you man i need a nugget one more nugget what are you
0: looking for i mean tell me what you (laughs) want i mean i got i've been doing this a long time what what's uh what do you wouldn't you say nugget something about just anything that challenges or or what's cool about the industry or cool about the company (laughs) what's what comes to mind
1: what's one thing uh that you think we need to know uh, if we want to open a business, uh, the first thing that pops to your mind that we haven't discussed: what do we need to know if to make to be succe- to be successful in this industry?
0: Well, to be successful in the food business, you better have a great chef. Um, you know, you got to have somebody that understands food and that can cook. Uh, so Matt Harding um, is you know worked with me for twenty five years. He can cook any type of cuisine. Yeah. Um, and not only does he know how to cook, but he knows how to he knows how to do all the other things associated. Purchase, yeah. and 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 do the conceptual development of a menu. Um, so I think that's that's number one. But you you know you have to understand where wh- where are you what are you trying to do? What's your brand positioning? What you, why are we going to open another restaurant? Right? There's too many restaurants already. So we better be really good at understanding. Uh, what we stand for, and be very focused on that, and make sure that, um, as Matt said, you know we're disciplined and focused. And uh, if not, we need to open fewer restaurants, and and make sure the ones we have are really, really well awesome. run. And I'm going to share your words
1: from a previous interview I, I watched, and uh, n- surround yourself with great people, and no one to get out of the way. And that's kind of what you're. I feel like you're alluding to is you. You surround yourself with. You know, Matt, uh, your chef, uh, who people are stronger where you're you're not as strong and you get out of the way and you let them do their thing, uh, which is one thing I picked up from you. And uh, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to do the fastest speed round you've ever seen. All right. We'll be right back. All right, guys, it's time to get real and answer this question honestly. Does the quality of your website match the quality of your restaurants? If the answer is no, you need to do something about it because 89% of your guests will go to your website before going to your restaurant. So you've got to make sure you're bringing it to all aspects of your business. And this is where Bento Box comes in. Not only will Bento Box help you deliver your brand and your story online, but it will help you leverage the full potential of the internet because websites are no longer static brochures they're dynamic tools that help you drive revenue with bento box easily update menus promote events share press sell gift cards take catering orders and book private events plus way more directly from your website find out why bento box is trusted by thousands of restaurants around the world including past and future guests like suvla pizza emily 11 madison park the meatball shop and more Head to get bento.com and make sure you mention restaurants unstoppable to get up to $1,500 off your initial setup payroll and benefits. It's hard. Sometimes it feels like a foreign language, especially for small businesses. I mean, you're too busy running your business. You don't have time to be an expert in all things, taxes and regulations. That's why there's Gusto. Gusto is making payroll benefits and HR easy for small businesses. Modern technology does the heavy lifting, so it's easy to get things right. PC Mag and Fit Small Business have called Gusto the best payroll for small businesses. Gusto will save you time. 72% of customers spend less than five minutes to run their payroll. Gusto is more efficient and reliable. Four out of five customers actually reduce payroll errors after switching to Gusto. People who succeed in this industry have access to systems and information, and Gusto will provide both. You no longer have to be a big company to get great technology, great benefits, and great service. To help support the show, Gusto is offering our listeners an exclusive limited-time deal. Sign up today and get three months free once you run your first payroll. Just go to gusto.com slash unstoppable. G-U-S-T-O dot com slash unstoppable. We're back. And the first question I have for you is what is your it factor? I'm being laughed at right now. Uh, I have it, a trait, a characteristic you believe most contributes to your
0: success. Genuine hospitality. Yes. What is your biggest weakness? I'm impatient. Yeah,
1: <laughs> true. <laughs> How are you working on that?
0: Being more patient. <laughs> actually, I, would
2: give, I will give him a lot of credit. In the last year and a half, he's been focused on it, and he, he actually has
1: he's, he's done a pretty darn good job. Beautiful. Yeah. What's one question or thing you look for during the interview process?
0: Eye contact.
1: I like it. Uh, what is your biggest challenge today? People. Share one code of conduct or behavior you teach your team. These are like core values, beliefs discipline and focus and do you want to yeah yeah. the
2: the one i always teach him is you got to put everything on paper Uh, a lot of times people want to philosophize and just you know anecdotal things here and there but you got to put it on you got that center and you got to paint
1: it so when you drift you can come back to it i love it like that nice (laughs) uh (laughs) what is (laughs) what is one uncommon standard of service you teach your staff. So this is something that you do. Like instead of passing somebody something with one hand, you use two hands to pass it to them. Something subtle but impactful.
0: Thank you. Yeah. Saying thank you.
1: Yeah, I dig it. You
2: know, the other thing is uh, eye contact. When you come and we, the place where you order in our restaurants is called The Stone. We always teach, you know, ask someone how their day is and give them eye contact. So
1: how was my eye contact today? And it got me self-conscious. Very good. Okay, Very good. good. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, what is one book that's a must read to make us better a person or a restaurant operator?
0: Pour your heart into it. Schultz. Ooh, Starbucks. Yeah,
2: I actually would have said the same thing, but, but I'm actually going to pick a non-restaurant book because I just finished it this morning. Nice. It's unbelievable. I told him about it. It was a Shoe Dog by Phil, Phil Knight. Unbelievable book about an entrepreneur who just wouldn't, wouldn't take no for an answer and just kept pounding it year after year. Biggest
1: lesson from that book
2: just never stop. I mean, he almost lost that company six, six times. I mean, you you know why he just, he just, he just (laughs) just knew it. He believed it. And, uh, it was, it was an unbelievable story. It's a great book.
1: Beautiful. Share, great book, (laughs) share an online resource or tool that you're leveraging. this would be like a magazine or
2: look, I I tell people all the time, some of the best data you can find is in Facebook analytics. And then I use it for a lot of different things. Chris knows. And, you know, look, there's how many people in the U S through 300 million and I think 211 million are on Facebook and they have a whole lot of data and it's free. So if you have a business account, use uh, use the audience. What's the analysis. biggest, what's
1: the, the number one thing you're tracking with those analysts?
2: So I, I like to use it to, to gauge trade, uh, trade areas. And so you can look at census data, but Facebook's going to give you real time data uh, on not only people that live there, but people that travel into that okay. area as well. And then you can d- deal with what they do and what they like. If
1: you ever want to come back and teach a course it's on fantastic. Facebook uh, data, it. oh, let's do it. It's free, free, free. Let's do it. <laughs> and uh, what is one piece of technology you've adopted within your restaurants uh, to create more efficiencies, uh, communication, communication, <laughs>
2: Yeah, so, uh, you know, the hard thing about technology, this may not be a fast answer, but the one thing about technology is it can just proliferate, mm-hmm. and you just have system after system and yeah. platform. And one of the things we've been working to do was build our own internal dashboard where we can give our restaurants one common place to go for everything. So you need to analyze your your check averages uh, all, all the way to... To menu item mix, it's all literally visual, and, and it's not that's not an easy thing to do. But you know, your operators don't have time to go between five different things. So uh, we built our own here to bring all those things together. It's pretty so incredible.
1: What platform are you building that on?
2: Uh, I'd have to bring someone else in here to say what okay. you build it on. But uh, <laughs> really, it's just accessible through a web browser. Um, I don't know the system he actually used to to build it on. Uh, but but now you can just go to one URL and it pulls everything in for you. So beautiful. Yeah,
1: that's yeah. cool. Um. The last question. It's a biggie. It's starting to come off. Yeah, just twist that guy right there. There you go. Uh, we're we're throwing this microphone again. It's, 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 it's earning its due right now. We're going back and forth between Chris and Matt. Uh, all right. So <laughs> the last question is, if you got the news that you'd be leaving this world tomorrow, all the memories of you, your work, and your restaurants would be lost with your departure, with the exception of three pieces of wisdom that you know uh, would it leave humanity and the industry better? what would they be? These are deep questions guys i don't I don't screw around <laughs> the looks I'm getting from Chris right now.
0: <laughs> Say it again.
1: Three pieces of wisdom you could leave uh
0: that you know to be true for the good of humanity in the industry <laughs> in the industry I don't know if it's good for humanity <laughs> um, capital discipline. great food and genuine hospitality. I dig it. Do you want to add anything? You You know,
2: the only other one I was going to say was, and going back to that point on culture is, you know, be really stringent and and about who you bring onto your team, especially in a small organization. And when you do build around those people, give them the tools they need and invest in them uh, because that's where you're going to build long-term success.
1: Awesome. And we talked a lot about uh, the, the importance of, uh, cash determining your growth it was a great book I want to share before we say goodbye and that's uh, Profit First by Michael I can't say his last name uh, but it's awesome And uh, you, you guys you've been so generous thank you for the meal uh, I had a couple bites out of my sandwich it was delicious uh, thank you for taking the time to, to share your story and your knowledge with us uh, we are all better because of it and if there's one person that you think I should get in the show I have all my guests call somebody out who's one person I should call out or have you call out to be a future guest on the show Cameron Mitchell's already been on twice. Yeah. <laughs> um, Chris had mentioned that Cameron and him are good friends, and I told yeah, him.
0: Yeah, Cameron's a good dude. Yeah. Um, who should you interview to be on the show?
1: Maybe somebody in Cincinnati. That's where I'm headed next. I was going to say at
2: NYC, you should tell Nick Marsh from Chopped.
0: Yeah, if you get in New York, reach out to Nick to Marsh. Nick, Nick, Nick Marsh, Marsh from Chop. Okay. okay.
1: <laughs> Nick Marsh from Chaplica, I'm coming after you. And we can stop there if you can't think of anybody else. All right. All right, it sounds good. And uh, if we want to come and join your team, what's the best way to connect? If we want to learn more about oh, your yeah. franchise and join you your go,
2: team? Yeah, you can go to uh, mypiata.com, and you can, uh, you can either submit an inquiry and get in touch with us, or you have a careers page as well, and then we have all the uh, open positions across the company listed there. So,
1: Matt, Chris, thank you so much again for taking the time to share your stories and your advice. There is a, no questioning, you're unstoppable. <laughs> There is another episode wrapped up here at Restaurants Unstoppable. Uh, Some great advice today. Uh, I really love the idea of just surrounding yourself with incredible people, learning from incredible people, uh, and the idea around loyalty and uh, really just getting to know your people and getting to know them by name. If you want to get loyalty, you need to give loyalty. And then we wrapped up with the idea of just the fact that culture is the glue that holds your business together. together and it's not your culture i mean culture is omnipresent it's always existing no matter what you do uh if you don't think you have culture guess what you do is just probably you know I mean, not necessarily, but probably not great culture. But if you really want that ideal culture, you need to write it down. Write down the vision of what you want to become, your mission, and the the values you want to be present. And that's your center line. You you need to write these things down. Until you write it down, uh, it it doesn't exist. Kind of. But anyway, that's your center line. Whenever you, you steer away from that culture, you need to remind yourself of what you want to be and that's why it's so important to write it down so you can come back to it awesome stuff alright guys like always please do reach out to me Eric at restaurantunstoppable.com. tell me who you want to hear from tell me what your challenges are I'll get somebody on the show we'll learn together uh, the time that this episode is going live I am in uh, Lexington Kentucky so if you're in the Lexington area and you want to grab a beer uh, meet up say hello I'm down you have my email, uh, Instagram, Twitter, Eric catch Tory, Facebook slash restaurant unstoppable. Reach out to me. Uh, keep those five star reviews online coming. They help so much, uh, but the best way to support this show guys is by sharing it. If you're finding value, if you want other people to have access to this resource, please share it. The mission of this podcast is to empower independent restaurant operators by sharing knowledge. So uh, let's make that happen. And in order for that to happen, people need to know about it. So let's get that let's get that uh, sharing mode on. <laughs> I don't know what the hell I'm saying. Anyway, that's all for today. Thanks for sticking around this long. I love you guys. Until next time. Peace out.